Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all that you are, all that you've done. Lord, I would ask that you would bless us today with your presence. Lord, I pray for your spirit to be poured out on us in a way that is real and tangible. God, I ask that you would guide and direct the words as I teach and as Paul preaches later. Lord, I pray that you would um, open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have as well. I pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to come at lesson 35, question 35, through the back door. Okay? So I've got a big section of notes there at the bottom if you want to take notes. Um, I'm not going to get to the question right off the bat. I'm going to start with this. Let's start with this quote here. Francis Schaeffer. Anybody know who Francis Schaeffer is? Anybody? Nobody knows who Francis Schaeffer is? Frank Schaeffer? Francis Schaeffer? Oh, oh, he goes by Frank. Oh, yeah, Frank. No. Francis Schaeffer? You guys don't know who Francis Schaeffer is? Really? Oh, my goodness. I, honestly, I'm genuinely surprised at this. Francis Schaeffer, he's awesome. He, uh, it, I, for multiple reasons. Let me give you two. One, he's an amazing Christian thinker. He lived in Switzerland, um, in the like the 70s, okay? So there's all kinds of hippie stuff going on, and he was delving into the Bible, okay? So he's awesome that way. Also, uh, he has this video out called, um, it's a video series, you can find it on YouTube, but it's either The God Who Is There, I think is what it's called, or, or something along those lines, but um, where he just goes through this thought process of, of God and who he is and what, the, what he's all about. And... Uh, I should give you a third reason why he's awesome. He wears knickers. Like the socks that come all the way up, the pants that end right here. Anyway. Um, Francis Schaefer. Very, I'm surprised. Look him up. He's interesting. Um, Francis Schaefer, he wrote this one point. See what you think about this. Let's read it and we'll, we'll chat together. We must realize that Christianity is the easiest religion in the world because it is the only religion in which God the Father and Christ and the Holy Spirit do everything. God is the creator. We have nothing to do with our existence or the existence of other things. We can shape other things, but we cannot change the fact of existence. We do nothing for our salvation because Christ did it all. We've been talking about that our questions lately. We do not have to do anything. In every other religion, we have to do something. And I would argue there's truth to that. Every other religion of the world, you've got to do something. But with Christianity, we do not do anything. God has done it all. He has created us, and he has sent his son His son died, and because the son is infinite, therefore he bears our total guilt. We do not need to bear our guilt, nor do we even have to merit the merit of Christ. That's a great little sentence right there. We don't have to merit, earn the merit, the goodness of Christ. We don't have to merit the merit of Christ. He does it all. So in one way, it is the easiest religion in the world. Thoughts? What do you think? Like that quote? Interesting? Yeah? Agree? In one sense, yeah. It's the easiest religion in the world. Absolutely. I I see what he's saying, where he's coming from. Totally agree. Um, He does it all. 
You like that statement? He does it all. Yeah? Aren't you glad about that, by the way? I don't know about you, but if there was even 1% that was depending on me, I would probably screw it up. Well, let me ask you this question. What about you? What about you? Your salvation. Not a full testimony, but let me put it this way. In fact, I'm going to put this up here, and I think because of what we just said in that quote we just had up, even me putting this next question up there is going to irk you a little bit. What did you do to get saved? What did you do? Well, hopefully, hopefully, I'm hopeful. I actually put in my notes. Hopefully, won't get anyone saying that they did something. I actually put that in my notes to myself. <laughs> hopefully, nobody's like, "Well, I did." Uh, especially after that last quote, I think we're all on the same page. Like, we didn't do anything, right? Okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. In fact, that's not the next slide, but the slide after that. We're going to come right back to that. You're two, you're two slides ahead of me. Um, let me ask you, let me come out at this direction. Um, <clears throat> what part of your salvation would you get credit for? Hmm. That's interesting. You get credit for it? I mean, what, what's the distinguishing factor? I mean, we would all get up to heaven. Are we going to look at all the people that didn't and go, well, we did this and you didn't? Who gets the glory? Is it us? I mean, were you just smart enough? Intelligent enough? I mean, what's the difference between you that believed it and somebody that didn't? Were you just smarter than they were? Is that what it was? Like, you, you, you really listened and you're like, no, I, I get this. The, the, and this other person, well, they're just stupid because they're not really paying attention to what it says. They were smart like me. Is that, is that how it works? In fact, just thinking about your very own salvation, have, how many of you have ever said this? Oh, oh, no, I didn't put that phrase in there. Wait, I didn't. Oh, it was the next slide. I did have another slide in here that said this, but for the grace of God. Have you, have you ever said that about your own salvation? But for, I mean, you, you, especially if you see somebody that's headed down that path, that life of destruction, and you, you're like, but for the grace of God, so would I. I mean, it, it's... I mean, if left to myself, have you ever said this phrase? I've said this many times. If left to myself, I never would have. Right? Uh, at least as far as your own salvation is left to, left to myself. I mean, sh surely nobody in here is going, no, 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 Matt. I think the reason why I believed it is because I was smarter than the people that don't. Does anybody in here think that? I hope not. So let's talk about this. When we get up to heaven, are we going to take the credit for this? That's the question at hand. You going to take the credit for that part? I mean, on one hand, can we say, did we do this? Yes. But why did you do it? Was it you? Anybody in here want to go down that road? It, yeah, it was. It was me. Hmm? 
Okay. So, so let's talk about this for a second because uh, that accept Christ, that, that there's nothing wrong with saying that that way or anything, but th- this word believe in the Bible, the verb form of this Greek word, I think it's pronounced pistuos. Am I close? That'd be the noun. What's the verb form? Pistuo. So th- this word, a good example in English would be the word trust. Trust I can use as a verb or a noun. I have trust in someone. That's a noun. I'm, I trust you. That's a verb, right? Um, the word that's translated believe and faith is the same Greek word. Its verb form is usually translated believe. Its noun form, same Greek word, is translated faith, right? I'm looking at my Greek scholar out of the corner of my eye to make sure I'm not saying anything off, okay? So, so it's an interesting thought process. What, de- what, what is this word really about? What does it mean? To believe, right? That's a great translation of the word. I, I believe this to be true as a verb. The noun form as faith gets, I think, makes it a little bit confusing in our day and age. Because what you have to understand is that the word faith is just the noun version of believe. Uh, like belief. This is my belief. I think the best way we could use the word faith that would be honoring to what the, the Greek translation over to that English word faith would be like if I said, this is the Christian faith, right? It's a set of beliefs. It's, it's what, how you see something. It's not, I don't believe, I'm using the word believe, it's not, I don't believe, primarily just about a sense of or a feeling of trust. A lot of us think of it that way, and I don't think at all that's what that word is meant to convey. In our day, we hear the word faith, that's what we think of. But faith in the Bible is more closely connected to what I actually believe. This is my belief, my faith. Okay? So when we talk about, like, accept Christ, his teachings, those things, that, so, so the, at one point, you looked at the teachings of Christ and you did not believe it. And then at another point in your life, now you do. Why? Hmm? Grace, okay? Now, we, ha- we have to say this because we know this to be true. Now, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down. I'm going to come right back to that word grace in just a minute. I'm going to take a backward step. Remember I said it's coming at this from the back door. I'm going to take a backward step to something I talked about several weeks ago. There, there are four views of answering this question. This person here that did not believe, and now they do, how'd that happen? Why did that happen? Okay? What, what's going on? Not out here. See, out here we can see believe. I believe something we can, that makes sense to us. Now I believe it. I didn't before, now I do. But what, what's going on in the inner workings of a human being in their deepest, innermost soul with a word that we like to throw out there, will? Not will. Our will? What, what, what's going on in, in there? What's, what's happening? Okay, Four views. I'm going to start with the, the worst one possible. Okay, this one I told you before was by Pelagius. Um, Pelagian, the Pelagian view is this. Okay, so before I read it, this is heresy. This is wrong. Okay, just so you know. 
the Pelagian view is that a human being has no natural corruption from sin. They're not, they're not born sinners, corrupted by sin. Most people will still need salvation because most people will sin. Well, but most of us, they, they end up sinning, so now you do need salvation. Okay? This leads me to a lot of other questions because you, you think about like babies, right? And their salvation. And one the, there's all kinds of, but we're not talking about that just yet. Let's just focus on this. Most people will still need. Already, can you see the problem with this? Are we born with a sin nature? I think we all agree with that. If you go, I don't think we are. We can talk afterwards, okay? Um, one piece of evidence I always like to throw out is, have you met a baby? The most selfish creatures on the planet. They care nothing for you. They come out screaming and demanding for your attention and their needs to be met right now. And if you don't do it, I will scream until you do. And then I'm going to poop myself. And you're going to clean it up. That's evil. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's a rabbit trail. That's not important. Um, most people will still need salvation because most people will sin. Individuals are able to seek salvation without God having to first remove their corruption and awaken their wills. Okay, so people that believe this, what's surprising about this, there are people that, that they would say that. Uh, let me show you how a lot of people believe this. They believe that, uh, let's say this sanctuary is, is, is all of humanity, okay, in here. And on the other side of that door is salvation, some people believe that what Jesus did when he died on the cross is this. Right? He opened a door. So some people kind of believe this, to be, to be honest with you, they kind of believe it because they, because they think that Jesus is over here going saying, hey, it's over here. Come on, to every single person. And then, and then some people say, come, some people don't. And in and of themselves... Just by the door being open, they have the ability to come to it and go through. There's some truth to that, but there's some problems with that. Specifically, the problems I'm going to get to in just a minute is that is not what the Bible says. Okay? We got a problem. If the Bible doesn't say that, we got a problem. Okay? But Pelagianism, in the world of Christianity, in, I'm going to call it Christendom, this has always been considered a heresy. Once it was declared a heresy, it's been a heresy. It's always been a heresy. Nobody that is a, knows any, actually knows something about Christianity would ever agree with this. That's one of the key components. We're all corrupt. We're born corrupt. There's a problem. Okay. Now, this next one, semi-Pelagian, I've encountered myself amongst people who would call themselves Christians. I don't I think I've ever really encountered this amongst somebody that would call themselves a Christian. But this next one I have encountered, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's heresy. Okay? This, isn't, this next one isn't a gray area where like, oh, well, you can believe it, I'm going to believe it. No, no, this next one, this is wrong. In one, some of the wrongest kind of ways. Okay? You ready for it? Semi-Pelagian. People are greatly corrupt, yet retained. There's some God left in them, some tiny little bit of natural ability to do some good, including respond to the gospel, that second part, that retain natural ability to do some good. We've talked about that before. Actually, the reason why people do good in this world is God's common grace to all humanity. 
not because they're good, but because he's good, okay? If you go, I don't think I agree with that. Let's talk. I'd love to talk about that. Um, but the next part of that sentence, include and respond to the gospel. And same, so so there, I have encountered some people who go, well, yeah, we're all sinners, but there's just enough left of good to decide to go through the door. Right? We are able to respond to the gospel without God having to first deal with corruption and deadness in our hearts. They say, you know, you're, we're not dead, dead. We still got a little bit. Just enough to do that one thing. Right? Hmm. I think that's heresy. If you're sitting there going, I kind of believe that. I'd love to talk. I'm not going to. I'll promise you the conversation would not go like this. Matt, you said this. And I just don't know if that's true. I'm not going to go, you're a heretic. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Uh, I, I will listen to you. Help you explain. I, I love doing that because important to me is the truth. Okay. Now, uh, the next two that I'm going to show to you, um, I don't believe the next one, but I'm okay if you do. Okay? That doesn't mean I think you might be right. <laughs> Are you guys okay with that? But this, isn't, this next one isn't one that I would go, we ought to divide over this. Because this next one falls into the realm, if this platform represents Christianity, this next one falls into the realm of Christendom, where I, I would go, I can't sit here and go, You're, it's heresy. The one after that, I believe most people get confused about the one after that and think I'm saying something different than what I'm actually saying, okay? And they get mad at me about the, the one I believe, when the, but not for the right reasons, okay? So let's go to the next one. The next one I, falls within the scope of Christendom, Christianity. I would not say you're a heretic, but I also would not agree with you. And believe it or not, God, we can do that. Do you think we can do that as a church? I think we can. I think there are, there are some things we can go, I don't quite agree with you on that, but you know what? This still falls within the scope of we are in Christ together. Okay? Before I put it up there, one more thing. This is this, this, these topics are the topics that make most pastors nervous. I don't, I, I love them. Because, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I have, number one, I have no fear anymore, um, partially because I'm a bivocational pastor. So if I say something that I believe is true, and everybody in the church goes, we don't believe it, and they storm out, I go, oh, well. <laughs> you know? I, I'm going to stand on what I, I I'm going to hold to what I believe is true, even if nobody else does. Let God be true, everybody else a liar. I'm going to hold to that, okay? But again, this next one, I'm okay with some disagreement here. I think you'll get to the right view eventually. <laughs> and if you're okay with me saying that, I'll be okay with you doing the same thing to me, okay? You're like, oh, Matt, you poor soul. You're missing it on this one. Um, Arminianism. Some of you go, oh, I don't, I don't like titles. Well, I hate to break it to you. You cannot like titles all you want. You're going to fall into one of these categories whether you like it or not. Some people don't understand Arminianism. Some people would say, thought this is what Arminians teach. It's not actually what Arminians teach. Arminianism would say this. People are born completely corrupt and unable to respond to God. 
unable to. They can't. Right? But God gives what they call provenient grace to all, or to all who hear the gospel, at least is what Arminians teach, undoing enough of the corruption in their hearts that they are able to seek or to reject the offer of the gospel. Okay? So in other words, this is humanity. We're all dead. Someone who believes this believes that God's grace gives them enough life to either accept or reject. Okay? All right. And, I, and if you go, that's, that's, I, I think that's probably true. Okay, I'm fine with that. Okay? That's not what I believe. So, again, I say it 20 times every time we talk about it. If you're okay with me believing my next part, I'm okay with you believing this. And we can hug each other if you're into that. I'm not greeting anybody with a holy kiss. Um, here's me. Starts off the same. People born completely corrupt and unable to respond to God. Notice they both start off the same way. But God will give life and light to those he has elected to save, removing the corruption of sin and opening their eyes to the glory of the gospel so that they will respond in faith to the gospel call. That's what I believe. I see salvation as what happened with Lazarus in the tomb. Lazarus was dead in the tomb. Christ said, come out. Now, in one sense, you could say, did Lazarus have to obey the, the command? Absolutely. But why did he obey it? Because when Jesus said, come out, he did something else. He made him not a dead guy, but a live guy. And an alive guy comes out of tombs. Dead guys stay in tombs. It's their nature. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Lazarus woke up and sat there in the tomb and said, I don't think so. Right? Yeah, but but then he would have said, laid back down and somehow died again. I don't know. The the illustration falls apart. So I mentioned these four because I think it's helpful to get our our meat computers, right? That's what your brain is if you think about it, right? For those that haven't been here, that's what I like to call the brain, a meat computer. For those that have been here, you've heard me say that many times. You, I mean, think about it. You've got this blob of flesh and it's thinking right now. How in the world does that even happen? Um, but here you are. I, I want to get that pumping because I notice when I, I talk about these kinds of things, there, you can tell when the brain kicks into gear because there are facial expressions that happen unconscious, subconsciously happen. Let me give you a few. Hmm. Some of you did that. Some of you went like this. When I see facial expressions, I know people are thinking, right? And as I was talking about these, I saw lots of facial expressions. There's a lot of... Some of you just look like you're in pain. Too much thinking. Okay. Okay, you've heard this verse. This is one of the reasons why I lean into the final one. 
For by grace, you've heard this, for by grace you have been saved through the conduit. Strong's Dictionary defines through as the conduit to which something happens. Right? You know what a conduit is? Construction guys? What it goes through. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this, what's the this? Is the faith. Is not your own doing. It is the very gift of God. It's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. And those last few words is the reason why I lean into the last one. So that no one may boast. I don't believe that the decide, like when you get right down to it, no matter how you try to split it, the reason why I fall into the last one and not the other one is because that's the only one that I see that leaves no, no, none. The final deciding factor of my salvation was not me, it was God. That's why I lean that way. Okay? Why am I talking about all this? Question 35. Ooh, I don't have it up there. Question 35 in your notes says what? Since we are redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, where does this faith come from? That's the question of the week. And the answer is all the gifts we receive from Christ we receive through the Holy Spirit, including faith itself. So faith itself, according to this answer, and I want you to know I absolutely agree because of this. It literally says that. It is the gift of God, not your own doing, this faith. So this faith, the reason why, why did I at one time look at Christ and the gospel is foolishness, like it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. Why did I look at that as foolishness, but then suddenly I didn't? I look at that and I go, that, that was God. What I found is most Christians, when it comes to their own salvation, they would say the exact same thing. Why did you go from the, man, that was God, because I was like, boom, and then he was like, uh, and then I was like, oh, Right? Those are Greek words. Uh, ooh, oh, right? No, they're not. Um, it's Hebrew. Um, let's, yeah. Let's, t- let's, go back. let's go back and get some context. And so I'm going to go through this, not by giving you a plethora of passages, but by just expositing on one particular one. Let's go back to the context of this particular one. The reason why I want to go back into the context of this is because you will see that Ephesians chapter 2 is talking about salvation in a way where Paul doesn't talk about it normally. He's not talking about it in that gospel sense and talking about Christ died on the cross and how justification happens and how all these... He goes back and he's actually addressing what's going on, what we were talking about earlier, what's going on in a human when they go from this to this. So listen, listen, just listen to it. Ephesians chapter 2, going back to verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. You were. So all of us at one point were what, according to this? Dead. Disobedient. But spiritually dead 
So the disobedience is coming from the deadness, right? That's our nature. We're spiritually dead. All of us were at one time. That's what this says. It says you were dead, dead in sin. And then it describes what that looked like, okay? Among, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. This time, with deadness, deadness is about these things. I recognize this in myself, the passions of the flesh. I do what I want. Everybody really does, don't you think? You do what you want. Even when you go, well, I didn't really want to do that, there was something you wanted. For example, when I obeyed my mom, sometimes she asked me to do things I didn't want to do, but I didn't, my, I had a, a higher want, I want to not be spanked. So that one of not being spanked overruled my lesser one of not wanting to wash the windows, or whatever it was. And so my wants ruled, and I did what I wanted. This is what it means to be spiritually dead. I mean, that's the, that's the challenge, isn't it, with that thing? What is, what is that word I, I talked about earlier? Will? The problem with your will is you will do what you want to do. It's Right? And according to this, there's an issue. And this is why both Arminian and Calvinism say something's got to happen first because... It's not that you can't get saved, though that's true. The fact of the matter is you wouldn't because of your nature. Not a single one of us would see the goodness of God and say, I want that over what I want. We're dead. That's what the scriptures teach. That's what this is teaching. Carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, in other words, every single human being that has ever existed, this is the reality. And then we get to the great parts of the Bible, right? So many of the great parts of the Bible start with that word right there, but. Right? But God, being rich in mercy, why? Why was he rich? Because of the great love with which he loved us is all him. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, do you see anything here about the cross? Do you see the word cross? Do you see, do you see forgiveness? It's implied. Do you see that word, though? Do you see um, faith in here yet? Believe? Repent? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, opened up a door so we could decide to be alive with Christ. Is that what it says? No. So ultimately, my, my issue with Arminian over Calvinism is because of this verse right here. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God, but God, being rich in mercy, even when we were right. God did what? If you think about the flow of the verse, God, and here's the verb, what he did. This is, all this other stuff is telling us why he did it. And why he shouldn't have done it, actually, for this part. Because if he's great and we're not. 
the God made us alive together with Christ. And then you see that phrase that you know later in Ephesians, by grace you have been saved. So the grace that you, by grace you have been saved is, is this, you were made alive. And then we get to some more details of what that being made alive is like. No mention of faith yet, no mention of belief yet. Paul's addressing it. He's addressing what's going on behind the scenes. Raise us up with him. Seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace, which is unmerited favor. Right? In kindness toward us in, in Christ Jesus. And then we get to our verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved. It says it again. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith, that's what it looks like on the outside. And this not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Um, there's another passage that is very similar to this one. Um, Paul talks about in Titus, Titus chapter 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, we were disobedient, we were led astray, we were slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's the world right there, isn't it? But, oh, I love this. But, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. How about something, again, behind the scenes? So this verse makes a little more sense. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy, speaking about salvation. Now, that's the question, the answer. I think in your notes you have the question, right? You have the answer. You have, where did we get this from? Did I put that in there? Where did we get this from? I put a couple of the passages I quoted. The why does it matter? I didn't put anything underneath there. I think for me the why does it matter is, has to do with the one word boast so that no one may boast. Um, but now, here we are. and We've got time left. Right? So I would like to take some time 
And I'm not going to say I'm going to answer every question right off the bat, but some I may jot down. But this presses the envelope of some things. Okay? Let me tell you, let me give you one example of one thing that it presses. There's, there's a view, there's a word in the Bible, um, it's called foreknowledge. Have you heard that? According to the foreknowledge of God, we read about it at the beginning of Ephesians. The, some people look at that word and they say, well, that means God looked down through time, saw who would and who wouldn't, and that's who he chose. Um, there, there's two problems with that. One of them is just a biblical one. That's just not what the word means. That's the first problem with it. You, if you say that's what it means, then you have a problem because that's not really what the word means. It means to know beforehand. Well, if he had to go down and see, then it would be afterhand for him. And so that would be a weird reasoning. I, I, I'm just telling you, that's my, I disagree. If you go, I, I still fall on that, I'm, I'm not going to call you a heretic and run you out, okay? I, this still falls within the scope. I'm, 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 I'm good with you if you're good with me, okay? But I, I don't believe that because I don't, that's not what the word is. It's just not. Um, also, it creates another problem because then in the end, being a math teacher, I'm about some absolutes in my head. And, and no matter how you come about it, if at the end of it, if God did 99.9999% of it, and does any of it depended on me, then he does not get all the credit. And I have a problem with that. I don't think there's going to be a soul in heaven that says, I got saved because I decided. I picked it. When he opened up the door, I chose. Did I choose? Yes. See, that's where, that's where people get upset because they go, wait a minute, are you saying you didn't choose? No, I did. Right? And they go, well, how's that? Po-? I'm just telling you, that's the, that's the thing. The Bible says both are true. Man is absolutely responsible. And we must choose him. But I also believe that it was, in the words of Christ, behold, you've not chosen me, I have chosen you. When he starts speaking of the, in the grander scheme of things, did you choose him? Yes. But in a very real sense, I know that he chose me. I know that the reason why I followed to his voice is because I was one of his sheep, chosen before the foundation of the world. Right? How's that possible? In fact, the, the, the challenge that you get to it, a lot of people, they start following that reason, and they ask a question that Paul, the apostle, anticipated. He's talking about this exact thing in Romans 9. And I love that he doesn't answer the question. Um, Romans chapter 9, I think it is verse... Let me Give me a second. Oh, I'm in chapter 8. That's why I can't find it. Yeah. Verse 14, as he's talking about these exact things, he turns around and says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? Some people go down that path. They go, well, that seems unjust. If, if it, it's ultimately dependent on him, then they start reasoning what? Then that means the ones that go to hell, it was dependent on who? God, not them. But that's not what the Bible says. And so Paul anticipated this, and I love what he answers in response to this. 
because he goes down a little bit further. He talks about no, by no means. He says, I'm going to have mercy on who I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. I will do these things, right? And then you get to verse 19, and he says this, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? That's Romans chapter 9, verse 19. And then Paul finally just says this. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will, what is molded? And this is the part that really cooks my noodle, where I'm like, wait a minute. Think about what he's implying in this response. Well, what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? And then he theorizes. I love this. This is one of the few places in the Bible where Paul the Apostle didn't say this is what it is. He just theorizes. He says, what if, and he proposes the possibility that Paul the Apostle thinks, maybe it's this. What if God, now just let yourself, I'm not giving an explanation. I'm just saying this is what it says. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. The potter has made some vessels. That's what he's... In order to make known the riches of his glory. So some of these he's prepared for destruction in order for, in other words, for, why? In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Who are these people? Verse 24, even us whom he has called. Those are tough words, right? So, I know they're hard. I love it. You know why I love it? Because it removes any shred of salvation dependence on Matt Harmless. That's why I love it. For people who have struggled with fear, I've known that this also can be a great bit of hope. Because people who struggle with fear, what do they do? They walk out of the house, they go, wait, did I turn the light on or off? Is the stove on? I gotta go back and check. The stove's off, okay, it's off. Go back out. Did I really check it? I don't know if I really checked it. Maybe I didn't check it. You ever met anybody like that? Have you been that way? Maybe I didn't. And now some of you are right now going, wait, did I? And now you're having visions of your house burning down right now. It's just, it's my fault. Um, this, this takes away it, not a thing, not a shred of my salvation. I don't put a shred of it on Matt. I believe God saved me. I believe these passages give me a glimpse as to how that works. I believe in the infinite mind of God. I know that in the infinite mind of God, 
this is absolute, absolutely just and righteous, and we will all give him glory for how he's done it. This is Pastor Matt Harmless, and as I wrapped up this last Sunday School lesson with question number 35, <clears throat> we decided to offer a Q&A time since there was not enough time for questions at the end of this Sunday School period. Uh, so the next week, the next episode will be a Q&A. Uh, Pastor Paul and myself will be answering questions. Some of them will have a heads up on, some we will um, be asked in the moment. And uh, so hopefully we'll get that recorded and uploaded. And uh, so if you have any questions, if you would like to submit those, you can actually submit those in Anchor, anchor.fm slash Edgewood Church. Um, you can do that there, Edgewood-Church, Edgewood-Church. Uh, you can do that there. There's a place to ask a question right from the Anchor podcast. Um, you can do that there. You can also, if you'd like to, uh, call and ask a question that way. You could call me uh, or the church. The church's number is 217-806-0527. Uh, if you'd like to call the church or myself, uh, you can also email questions in. Uh, the questions you can send in, you could send to info at edgewood-danville.org. And uh, if you know me, feel free to call my number and ask me directly. And I will put that question into the uh, Q&A time and hopefully get it recorded as part of this podcast.